1: To be in Attention, all listeners on this frequency. Stand by for an important announcement. Welcome to Medic to Medic Podcast, the weekly podcast for EMS providers, EMS leaders, EMS medical directors, and others involved in or those who have an interest in emergency medical services. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Steve Cohen.
2: Coming from the Raleigh, North Carolina, Medic to Medic Podcast Studios. Hi, it's Steve Cohen. Welcome to another episode of Medic to Medic Podcast. You can reach me at medic medic podcast at gmail.com. You can also download past episodes at Speaker, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and also my webpage at medic to medic Podcast.com. Today, I'm joined by Kevin Bell. Kevin Bell is from... The Bahamas. He's been involved in EMS for 29 years. He also volunteered for four years prior to that while he was in high school. His focus was on enhancing the pre-hospital care EMS system in the Bahamas through development, quality education, training, and technology. Kevin, welcome to Medic to Medic podcast. Thank you, Steve. Thank you for having me. How's the weather in the Bahamas on this uh, late December afternoon? Well, um, We're
3: up at about 80 degrees, um, and beaches are filled with persons, beaches and pools are filled, uh, swimming, I guess, when it's snowing in other parts of the world.
2: Well, I'm jealous. I'm very jealous. So, Kevin, why did you get into EMS?
3: Um, EMS, uh, when it was introduced to me, was was, was very interesting. Um, um, Well, the way it started was interesting. Um, I... I was uh completing a a project on aviation, and so that of I like could learn the different parts of the plane, a family friend had at the private section we had his plane parked and was showing me the uh, different parts of the plane but While he was doing this, an ambulance pulled up on the tarmac uh, pulled up to a lair jet, and uh, they offloaded the patient. Um, from the ambulance and onto this jet, accompanied by a a medical team, and off they went. And uh, it was at that point that I was intrigued uh, by what I had seen. Um, I had uh, lived only blocks uh, away from the hospital, and so whenever the ambulance would take off on calls, I would just, you know, take a quick jog down by the hospital and and, uh, just watch, see when they take those patients out of the ambulance. Very excited at what I was seeing. One day, um, and I did this for probably about a, a year or so, uh, one day I was sitting there um, waiting to see them, bring in patients, and uh, two of the ambulance staff was heading out to the ambulance going on a call. And they asked me if I wanted to go. I thought they were joking at, the, at, at, that, at that moment, but they were serious. Um, I thought to myself, if I go on this ambulance, my mom's going to kill me. But uh, even with that in mind, I decided, hey, I'm going to go. They showed me, you know, a couple of seconds how to use the siren. They allowed me to operate the siren to that call and back to the hospital. And I remember that call vividly because it was a female who had retrojectile vomiting. And now as bad as that uh, call would have seemed, it was at that point that I knew exactly what I wanted to do for the rest of my life.
2: Kevin, what else do you remember about that call? I mean, when you walked into the person's house, what did you observe? What did you feel like? You know, at some
3: point, I, I thought I would I would roast her out, but I wasn't. Uh, it was surprising. I I, I could I, I handled it. I handled it well. Um, I, I remember helping the, helping her to to the ambulance along with him, and then um, I didn't sit in the back with the. Chin. Heading back up to the hospital, I was up in front seat, handling the siren, but peeping through the, the little door uh, in between the the, the seat um, at what was going on in the back. And uh, again, I, 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 from what I remember, it was it was a gory call. I, I didn't gross out, but I found it very intriguing.
2: How old were you? I would have been fourteen. So you are just starting high school, and you went on your first ambulance ride and got to see your first patient, and you were hooked?
3: Yep. So um, after that, I, I wrote a letter in uh, to the hospital administrator asking um, permission to volunteer. And
4: fortunately, um, Michael Store, she was the, uh, the administrator at that time, and she granted me
3: permission. Um, she opened the door uh, to what would be a very long... Uh, Career, And I thank her for that.
2: And before we get into how you became an EMT and a paramedic, can you talk a little bit about how EMS works in the Bahamas?
3: So um, unlike um, some other places in the United States where there's a combination, you know, with the fire and and, and EMS, uh, EMS here is uh, hospital-based. Everyone's hired by either the private hospital or the public hospital. And uh, for the public hospital, they receive their calls through nine one one dispatch. Um, of course, the private hospital, their 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 personal private dispatch, uh, they receive calls, emergency calls as well. The ambulances are staffed with uh, emergency medical technicians, mostly. Um, we do have a a small. We have about twelve, twelve to thirteen paramedics in the country, and so. Um, We're not at that point as yet where we have a paramedic on every vehicle, but um, that's how our our units are manned in this country.
2: And what kind of calls are they running?
3: We're responding to car accidents, uh, GSWs, strokes, uh, our medical calls, uh, um, we have quite a number of diabetic emergencies, um, seizures, you name it, we have it. And and also road traffic accidents, so it's pretty broad. Pretty broad. They get they get to see a lot. Uh, these EMTs they they work very hard here in, in the Bahamas.
2: Kevin, so you're hooked on becoming an EMT. How did you do that from the Bahamas? Um, at the
3: at that at the point when I was hired in 1989, uh, there was a pharmaceutical company here by the name of Syntex. They had. They had donated an ambulance, and along with that ambulance that they they donated, they had scholarships, free scholarships for five persons to go and do EMT training. Um, I volunteered myself, and and they sent me off to Medical Arts Training Center in Margate, Florida, uh, which is where I did my EMT program, uh, free of charge uh, um, from this company. When I completed that, I, I returned home as the first um trained e m t in the government system
2: wow the first e m t how did that feel for you
3: um, I, it, it it felt good um, but one of the things that i understood and and learned from uh, my uh, interactions there in in Florida during my ride times is um, it's going to take more than just one e m t to 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 get the ball rolling. And so while I felt good being the only one or the first one, um, for me, it was more about uh, helping other persons to, to, to get trained as EMT so that we could advance the, the service, which at that point uh, was only ran by persons who, who were first-aid trained. And, and so uh, there, there was much work to do.
2: How long were you in EMT before you decided that you wanted to move on and become a paramedic? And where did you do your paramedic training?
3: Probably approximately 12 years before my other opportunity would come for me to go off and do paramedic training. Um, I did paramedic training at Broward Community College in Davie,
2: Florida, and there I also completed my uh, EMS degree. What was your toughest subject when you were, or what were your struggles when you went through paramedic school? I mean, you went from almost 12 years of being in the field and practicing as an EMT, and then you get this opportunity to go to paramedic school. Talk about uh, that experience and some of the highs and lows, as well as the struggles. Uh, You know,
3: you you spend that much time as an EMT, you think uh, paramedic school is going to be a breeze. And that was not the case. Um, uh, For me, in high school, math was a challenge. and At that point, I was so in love with being in EMS, you couldn't convince me that math was gonna be needed until I hit paramedic school and we got to, um, uh, to drug calculations. And then I got my horror. <laughs> um, it was there that, that, that I had the greatest challenge um, uh, having now to, to, uh, to rely on mathematics to, to calculate medication that I'm gonna be giving to, to patients. I struggled, but eventually I got through it. I got got a hang of it, got used to it, and I was able to to, to successfully pass that part of the program. So um, that would have been, in my opinion, the greatest struggle.
2: And what was your favorite part about being in paramedic school? Did you have a favorite subject?
3: For me, medical emergencies would be my my favorite. Uh, And here's why. In my opinion, you know, trauma is trauma. Um, trauma can almost be textbook, almost. Um, but I like those calls that make me think. I have to uh, try to uh, figure out the symptoms, um, try to figure out what's going on in this cardiac monitor, which drug am I gonna use to, to uh, mitigate whatever it is. And and, and, and so anything that, 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 that that's gonna make me think deep and hard, Those are the calls. I I, I like it. They just happen to be medical emergencies.
2: In the Bahamas, is there a separate certification for EMT and paramedic? Uh, Because you got certified in Florida. How do you become certified in the Bahamas?
3: Well, we have the Health Professions Council, which I'm also a part of. I've had the privilege of serving as a council member um, there for two years. Um, And their responsibility is... um, uh, licensing individuals to practice, as well as uh, providing licensure for schools to operate. And so, um, basically, what's needed is um, either a National Registry certification or a state certification, and you, you're granted your EMT paramedic or your EMT intermediate uh, through
2: reciprocity. Kevin, can you talk about continuing education for people that are certified in the Bahamas as well as nationally registered? Can you talk about some of the programs that are run uh, through, the, I guess, the health, health Council and, I guess, through the hospitals, too?
3: Um, well, at this point, we have um, ACLS, PALS, DLS. Um, I'm one of two EWOC instructors in the country. Uh, um, we're also in the process of... Uh, Getting instructors certified to teach uh, ITLS or PHTLS. Um, so one or two of our paramedics have done uh, critical care um, uh, paramedic training. And so we're in the process of making as much of these programs uh, available to EMTs and paramedics locally uh, here as, as we can. In fact, we're in the process of working on on that as we
2: speak. Can you talk about how paramedics function in the Bahamas? Can you talk about some of the equipment, some of the medications, uh, and maybe the heart monitor that you guys are using?
3: uh, The private private, um, service, uh, they have a full slew of of, uh, drugs that they carry on the truck, uh, cardiac monitors, uh, and so they they function as a, a full paramedic service. Um, however, for the government service, they function at the intermediate level. So there are some medications that they, that they push, um, uh, as well as uh, cardiac monitors. And those, we now um, have in the Bahamas the old uh, X-series cardiac monitors. We also have auto pulses. We're trying to, um, uh, again, uh, stay in tune with EMS around the world.
2: And how do the paramedics receive their medical command? Is it physician-based or is it government-based? The, the government agency, uh, the EMS service there, is led by a, a consultant physician um, who had spent uh,
3: some years um, in the emergency room. So she serves as the director as well as the medical director. So they get their uh, basically their orders from her or from whomever is the... private sector, uh, they have their own uh, medical director, and they pretty much fall under the emergency room there, and so basically their directors come um, through that, through those means.
2: And do they function under standing orders, uh, or do they have to call in for, if they want to start an IV or give uh, some kind of medication?
3: There are some things that they have to call in uh, to get permission to do. But IVs is pretty straightforward. Um, I think by the time they get those IVs started, then they're calling in for for um, uh, medical advice.
2: All right, for example, if I'm a diabetic and my blood sugar is low and I'm unconscious and the ambulance is called, what can the paramedic do when they arrive on scene on their own before calling in?
3: level, um, establish IV access, administer the 50% uh, dextrose,
4: and and then they can call in and advise what they have and if there's any other further directions. But they can do uh, up to the 50% dextrose without
3: uh, calling in for medical uh, advice.
2: And how about for a cardiac arrest? Uh, They do have all their first-line cardiac meds
4: um, that they can they can initiate, but um, at some point
3: still have to call in to advise what's going on and, and uh, to get any further directions.
2: You mentioned earlier in, in the podcast about uh, the Bahamas Health Professions Council. Can you tell us a little bit more about that group and who's on that panel? So The,
3: the panel is uh, comprised of a, a number of uh, persons that represent different health professions. Um, um, we have the the, um, uh, the chairperson he's uh, an ophthalmologist um, the deputy chair is a consultant who's also um, in family medicine we have psychologists uh, we have uh, the medical advisor for for the Ministry of Health uh, we also have a uh, person that works in the cat lab uh, someone who does uh, Physiotherapy. So it's, it's comprised
4: of, uh, of, of persons that, 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 that come from different uh, fields within the healthcare system uh, as we uh, provide licenses for, for practicing to all of
3: those different um, uh, medical professions.
2: You've been in EMS for 29 years. Can you talk a about some of the highs that you've had as well as some of the lows you might have encountered?
3: Well, one of the things that I, I I can say was a high was being a part of the transition from an ambulance service to or an ambulance department to EMS. And when I say a transition, uh, as I mentioned before, most of us were all first aiders, just first aiders who would respond in an ambulance to 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 pick um, up uh, the, the, the sick and injured. But I was able to. to witness and be a part of the process, um, you know, moving out of that ambulance attendant uh, uh, mindset to an EMT and an EMS uh, type run agency. And it it was good to see the country uh, transition from from ambulance uh, department to EMS. Um, Lately, um, we've even seen some more things. Uh, We've actually seen paramedics now. You know, in addition to myself, and it's it's amazing to see where where um, we've come from to where we are now. Uh, we are at the point now where we're
2: we're hosting our own EMS Week events, um, and and I think all we have is growth uh, left ahead of us. And so we're we're doing all we can to uh, to, to get there. How is uh, EMS funded in the Bahamas?
3: We have entities as mentioned earlier um, we have a government and uh, entity that's uh, financed through the Public Hospitals Authority that's where we get a lot of funding from uh, there's no grant uh, as is the case in the United States um everything has to come through um, the budget that's given to the Public Hospitals Authority for uh, to facilitate all of the hospitals the clinics uh, as well as
2: EMS how much does politics play uh, in the role of EMS in the Bahamas?
3: I think politics, just as it is anywhere else, politics um, uh, plays a significant role because um, it's them that have to release the funds. Um, I can say though, um, in in recent years, uh, they they've been investing um, in EMS. Um, we were able to change our whole fleet over. Um, at one point, we ran type two. Uh, vans with the government support, we were able to transition um, from the type two vans to type one uh, um, ambulances. Um, now we have a fleet of type three, um, one or two of the transits you'll see around the island. Um, but we're, we're using almost the same vehicles that are being used in in the United States at this point. Um, and again, it's through government support um, for the private sector. They uh, They don't have to go through as many hurdles as the government sector, Um, but they, too, they are operating type 3 ambulances, um, getting their finance for staff and as well as uh, the equipment that
2: they need. And if somebody from the United States wanted to come to work full-time in the Bahamas, either for the private sector or for the government side, how can they do that?
4: Well, the the first hurdle would be trying
3: to get um, your work permit through immigration services. Um, That might be a little challenge at this point because um, we have any number of EMTs here seeking jobs. And so it's all going to be based on what we need. Um, uh, But achieving your work permit, the next thing would be getting your your license uh, uh, to to practice. And again, as as I mentioned earlier, we do that through uh, reciprocity.
2: What are you currently doing now in EMS?
3: Well, I have an interesting job um, I'm I'm uh, heading an EMS uh, agency that's resort based it's the only one in the country with um, only resort that has an EMS system uh, in clicks in 2015 uh, I was approached by Bahama um, with an interest in uh, creating their own EMS system and so uh, I took the, the um, uh, the offer and uh, today we have an ambulance, a, a team of EMTs uh, who, who work very hard um, and um, we're responding to the needs of, of our guests and and our staff members. And we employ about 5,000 uh, staff members.
2: You got a chance when you got this position to build the EMS system. How did you start?
3: Just like anything else, you, you have to have planning and position, and so um, I just got into putting together um, all of the components of an EMS system. Um, you have your, your, um, uh, your staff, the EMTs, you have the, the equipment, um, your medical um, directors, as well as your um, uh, dispatch system who will receive the calls uh, to dispatch the EMTs to. And so um, for the dispatches, we've been able to source priority dispatch who came and trained and certified um, a couple of our dispatchers as as EMDs, Emergency Medical dispatches, and um, we recruited persons who were already trained as EMTs, and we also sent um, a few persons off uh, to the United States to be trained as EMTs. So now uh, we have our, our teams in place. Uh, we have the benefit of a medical director and a medical advisor, um, one of which uh, also was an EMT prior to becoming a doctor. And so it's, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing to have someone like him in your corner, um, uh, you know, pushing ahead uh, and helping you with what you need to, to get things up and running.
2: What kind of calls do you see at the resort?
3: now well, this this uh resort is like five uh, four hotels in in on one property, and so you can imagine the amount of persons um that that uh, that's there now in fact today uh we're preparing for a big music concert tonight uh, so we can see anything from you know, just your scrape scrape at the knee all the way to cardiac arrest and anything that happens out on the street we get to see and we're ready to to jump in and, and, and take care of it,
2: Kevin. Describe your leadership style.
3: Um, I think my uh, leadership style is is uh, pretty much one that I would like to, to lead uh, uh, I don't like being micromanaged, and so I don't micromanage my my, my staff. Um, I um, set the the um, requirements,
4: set the goals and I let them work towards it. Where I need to step
3: in, I step in. Um, where I need to advise, I advise. Um, one of the other things that I, I, I've incorporated as a leader is being a mentor to, um, to those that work um, under me, my subordinates, um, helping them to, to, to see EMS through my eyes uh, uh, so that they can see where they can go to um, futuristically. So, you know, mentoring them to, to, to move on to either advanced EMT or to paramedic um, has been pretty much what I've been doing here where I work and where i worked before. So that's that's pretty much the, the, the type of leadership that I... Very progressive. I'm always uh, researching to see what the, what the latest thing is and if I think it can work for us.
2: I, I do what I can to get it. You're mentoring your, your staff. Do you have any mentors that you'd like to mention that have helped you through your becoming the leader that you are? Yeah, absolutely.
3: Um, there's uh, Todd Sword. He's, uh, he's been a mentor uh, for me for um, a good number of years. Um, there's Richard Clinchy, who is one of my instructors at um, Medical Arts in, in the early 90s. Orlando Dominguez was also an instructor of mine during that time. Um, And he, at this point, he publishes articles in the EMS World uh, magazine. I think the one that he has now is uh, from the officers or the EMS chief desk, where he highlights uh, various leadership issues and how how you can deal with them. Um, There's also assistant chief at Orlando Fire Rescue, Ezra Smith, he and I uh, communicate on a regular basis. Um, He's originally from Jamaica, and I being from the Bahamas, we we communicate regularly on on what we can do to to push EMS from a Caribbean perspective, not just the Bahamas, but the Caribbean. And so uh, we've been in in quite a number of discussions there. Uh, He and I would have hung out a bit at the EMS world, uh, Expo there in Nashville just a few weeks ago. Uh, and so these are just some of the, the, the many um, uh, mentors that I have um, In EMS, I had one of the one of the toughest EMS instructors in, in, in Broward, Bruce Hill um, he, was, he was very good uh, Matt Whitefield, uh, they were very good uh, um, Instructors, and so you know, I thank all of these uh, Persons for helping me to be who I am today especially Michael, of Virgil's store who would have opened the door for me to be able to be where I'm at in EMS. Her, Anthony Robinson, I could think of a whole number. Hats off to all of them for what they have allowed me to accomplish in EMS.
2: What are the challenges that the Bahamas face uh, moving forward?
3: So some of the challenges are, you know, being, being that we're not attached to the United States per se. Um, everything requires travel and accommodations and so when it comes to doing training um, abroad that could be a challenge but we've been getting it done um, uh, some of our scholarship uh, foundations have been helping persons to go off the school to get EMT and paramedic training um, and you know it's just basically trying to help uh, to to bolster the EMS profession here in the country—we have probably the same challenges that that, that that you guys have in the United States. We're trying to get EMS recognized as a profession, um, just as the nurse and the doctor and whomever else it is. Um, we're in the same fight um, every day. We're, we're trying to get that recognition, and I think we 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 we're, 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 um, uh, we're making some headway. Um, but it's, gonna, it's going to take uh, everyone's hand on the plow, so to speak, and we're going to continue to do this so that we can get that type of re- recognition that we need.
2: Kevin, I want to thank you very much for joining me on my podcast and giving us some insight to what EMS is like in the Bahamas. Thank you very much, Steve, for having me